Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, March 8th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. So I'm going to be traveling later this week, and I'm actually recording this on Tuesday evening. So I lied. It's not really Friday, March 8th, at least not for me yet. Anyway, being the astute listener that I know that you are, you'll quickly realize that doing a wrap of the week's gold news before the week is over, kind of tough. So I'm going to have to do something a little bit different. Never you fear, though. People who know me well will tell you that I do excel at different. So what I'm going to do is talk a little bit of economic theory. I've mentioned before it's important to understand the big macroeconomic picture if you really want to understand what's going on in the markets, like on more than a daily, weekly, or maybe maybe a monthly basis. If you want to understand trends, you need to understand the economics. Now, a lot of folks give people like Peter and me crap about making predictions relating to bear markets and recessions. They call us stopped clocks. You know, at some point we're going to be right. Look, I get the criticism. And I'll be the first to admit I don't have a crystal ball. But I do have some tools at my disposal that will predict generally what is going to happen. Now, it's not perfect. I can't give you a timeline. I can't say this is going to happen on this date. And there are a lot of factors in an economy that you have to take into consideration. But if you understand basic business cycle theory, you can say with pretty high confidence that if the Fed does X, Y will happen at some point. I might not be able to tell you when, but I do know that easy money blows up bubbles and bubbles pop. Anyway, I want to talk about why central planning ultimately fails, but first I'll touch on just a few things that are in the news. As I'm sure you know, gold plunged last week and it's now below that $1,300 level. The main reason is a strong dollar and this general sense that we're going to get a trade deal and it's going to be good for the economy. Of course, once that $1,300 barrier fell, there was a lot of technical selling. So as of Tuesday, we're hanging around $1,288. Of course, by the time you listen to this, it could be higher or lower. I've mentioned before, but it's still bizarre to me how the markets bite on every little bit of good news about the trade talks. Peter Schiff was on RT to talk about the prospects of a trade deal, and he said when it's all said and done, it will be much ado about nothing. He also expects the markets to eventually sell off once the deal is actually announced. Peter also had some interesting things to say about this notion of Chinese currency manipulation. He said at one point they were keeping the yuan weak, but he does not think that's happening anymore. Artificially suppressing yuan propped up the dollar. That enabled us to live beyond our means and buy more goods than we can afford. It made it easier for America to borrow money. So Peter said he thinks the future for the Chinese currency is actually higher and that it's going to be a benefit for China. It's not going to be a benefit for the United States. Another interesting bit of news, Romania is considering repatriating most of its gold reserves. We've been reporting on this trend for a couple of years. A number of countries have brought their gold reserves home. Venezuela's recent experience trying to access its gold reserves that were stored in England emphasizes the concerns about holding reserves abroad. 
Gold repatriation underscores the importance of holding physical gold where you can easily access it. Gold-backed exchange-traded funds, ETFs, and paper gold have their place, but true security and stability come from physical possession of precious metals. That's exactly why these countries are bringing their gold home safe within their own vaults. Okay, so let's talk a little about central planning. It doesn't work. And there are a number of reasons why it doesn't work. I'm going to cover two real quick. First off, there's a fundamental problem with any intervention into the marketplace, unforeseen consequences. French economist Frederick Bastiat was one of the first to really articulate this. He said, in the economic sphere, an act, a habit, an institution, a law produces not only one effect, but a series of effects. Of these effects, the first alone is immediate. It appears simultaneously with its cause. It is seen. The other effects emerge only subsequently. They are not seen. We are fortunate if we foresee them. There is only one difference between a bad economist and a good one. The bad economist confines himself to the visible effect. The good economist takes into account both the effect that can be seen and those effects that must be foreseen. This was something economist Frederick Hayek identified in his work. We often call it the knowledge problem. Here's how he put it pretty simply. He said, the peculiar character of the problem of a rational economic order is determined precisely by the fact that knowledge of the circumstances of which we must make use never exists in concentrated or integrated form, but solely as to disperse bits of incomplete and frequently contradictory knowledge which all the separate individuals possess. The economic problem of society is thus not merely a problem of how to allocate given resources. It's rather a problem of how to secure the best use of resources known to any of the members of society for ends whose relative importance only these individuals know. Or to put it briefly, it is a problem of the utilization of knowledge, which is not given to anyone in its totality. So, in a nutshell, no single person knows everything that they need to know to foresee all of those unforeseen consequences and effects that Bastiat mentioned. Now, economist Ludwig von Mises approached it from a slightly different angle, but the concept is similar. When politicians interfere with markets, they alter and distort the pricing system. Now, imagine switching all of the signs in your neighborhood around. During World War II, British civil defense workers turned around and moved street signs to confuse German troops in the event of an invasion. The U.S. Army actually recommends this same tactic in a 1978 manual titled Tactical Deception Part 101. Quote, change all traffic signs in the defensive area to confuse rapidly moving attack forces. Makes sense, right? Changing or removing basic points of reference would certainly make it more difficult to navigate. In the same way, government tinkering with the price system makes it more difficult for markets to function. Prices serve as as street signs of the market system. They make the efficient allocation of resources possible. Economist Thomas Sowell explained the fundamental role of prices in his foundational book, Basic Economics. He wrote, each consumer, producer, retailer, landlord, or worker makes individual transactions with other individuals on whatever terms they mutually agree to. 
Prices convey those terms, not just to the particular individuals immediately involved, but throughout the whole economic system, and indeed throughout the world. If someone else somewhere else has a better product or a lower price for the same product, that fact gets conveyed and acted upon through prices without any elected official or planning commission having to issue orders to consumers or producers. Indeed, faster than any planners could assemble the information on which to base their orders. So here's the problem. Elected officials, bureaucrats, and central planners insist on issuing orders to consumers and producers anyway. They set minimum wages, they set price ceilings, they set price floors, they subsidize transactions, they penalize others through taxation. Generally, these central planners have noble intentions. They want to eliminate some perceived unfairness or right some perceived wrong. But in effect, they're changing the street signs. They're tinkering with the price system. This causes chaos and confusion. Inevitably, we end up with misallocation of resources. The economy becomes less efficient. Markets cease to function. Society as a whole becomes poorer. In effect, government action distorts and in some cases obliterates the entire price system. As economist Mises explained, prices are by definition determined by people's buying and selling or abstention from buying and selling. They must not be confused with fiats issued by governments or other agencies enforcing their orders by an apparatus of coercion and compulsion. He wrote, prices are a market phenomenon. They are generated by the market process and are the pith of the market economy. There is no such thing as prices outside the market. Prices cannot be constructed synthetically, as it were. Now, consider the Fed's constant tinkering with interest rate. What is an interest rate? It's a price. It's the price of borrowing money. So when the Fed interferes, trying to do exactly what Mises said you can't do, construct prices synthetically, the Fed is distorting the market. It's tinkering with the signs. When it forces rates down and engages in QE, it drives misallocations and creates asset bubbles. And when it tries to raise interest rates up, it pops the bubble and crashes the economy. That is the essence of the business cycle. And that's why I'm so bearish. The Fed massively intervened in the economy in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis. What's going on is completely predictable. The central planners might be smart, or maybe they're not. Regardless, they don't have the knowledge to foresee all of the consequences of their interventions, and they can't manufacture prices out of thin air. We need to let the markets work. Unfortunately, no matter how smart central bankers and politicians think they are, they aren't smart enough to realize they aren't smart enough. So we're stuck with the central planners. All we can do is try to shield ourselves as best we can. If you want to learn more about how you can do that, you can talk to a shift gold precious metal specialist today. They can definitely fill you in on some good strategies. Just call 1-888-GOLD-160. Well, that's a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more, and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. Also, we've got a new It's Your Dime interview that went out this week. I'm doing something a little bit different. These It's Your Dime interviews are now going to be available on iTunes as well. I'm going to do them more like the podcast. Uh, in the latest episode, I interviewed libertarian car guy Eric Peters. Even if you're not a car person, you're going to want to listen to this episode. We talk about government fiats. We talk about electric vehicles. We talk about the new Green Deal. It's a great show. So 
If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes or on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. You'll also get the uh, It's Your Dime interviews as well. You'll find links on our show notes page. And if you're listening on on, uh, YouTube, feel free to share your thoughts on this week's gold news in the comments section. Always love to hear from you guys. So thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed this little different twist on the Friday Gold Wrap. And uh, I'll talk to you again next time.